my goodness. Good morning, good afternoon. Whatever it is for you, I hope you're having a fantastic day. My name is Zach Schaumler. This is Strong Opinion Sports, episode 527. It's a Monday. Welcome in. Going to do a short and sweet episode today. Remember, I'm not going to cover everything today. We're going to cover like five things, the things that really stood out to me, uh, stuff that didn't make the show today that'll be in the next episode. I, it irks me, right? But I I don't want to record on Tuesday. I want to get it out Monday, and I don't want to sacrifice quality. So stuff that's not in today's episode, uh, Mike White against the Vikings. Haven't watched it yet. Watching that later tonight, right before Monday Night Football. Uh, college football. I have, I've watched all the games, but I didn't have time to like really break it down into a good topic I like, and we'll get to that next episode. Uh, I've seen some news, like Anthony Richardson is going to the NFL. That's awesome, by the way. Really cool, but I want to like... Save that all. We'll break it down in the midweek episode. This is the short, quick, and dirty fun one. Uh, I'm really excited. We're just going to talk about the games that happened and like the most important couple things. Uh, And then remember, the midweek episode, we'll really dive into the other stuff. But it's important. I found to do an episode on Monday. Here we are. And I promise you, today's episode is short, but I took my time. Uh, We didn't sacrifice quality on the route to making this episode. That's very important. I feel like I need to say that. Um... Short does not mean rushed or like I didn't put a lot of effort into it. Uh, Let's start by doing this, though. We have a sponsor today. Are you wasting money on subscriptions? 80% of people have subscriptions they have forgotten about. Maybe for you it's an Amazon Prime account or a Hulu account that you never use. Well, there's this great app that I use that helps me track all the money I spend, like What exactly am I spending and what exactly am I spending it on? I owe a big thank you to the app Rocket Money. It used to be known as Truebill. The Rocket Money app shows you all of your subscriptions in one central location and then cancels whatever you don't want. Rocket Money can even find subscriptions you don't know you are paying for. I mean, this is literally me. I had an $8 subscription to um, SoundCloud I was paying. I was double paying it. And they helped me solve that. Go like, why are you paying SoundCloud twice a month? And I'm like, oh, let's get rid of that. And so sometimes you'll find out you've been double charged for a subscription and they will help you solve that. To cancel a subscription, all you have to do is hit the cancel button and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. So get rid of useless subscriptions now. Go to rocketmoney.com forward slash SOS, rocketmoney.com slash SOS to cancel unnecessary subscriptions right now go to rocketmoney.com slash sos again they could save you literally hundreds of dollars a year by just getting rid of stuff you may or may not know you're paying for and maybe don't need to be paying for it's a really simple way to cancel your subscriptions rocketmoney.com slash sos all right um by the way they're a great sponsor they're awesome behind the scenes Genuinely, I think it's a helpful tool that I do use. So, like, I'm I'm proud to have them as a sponsor because I actually like them. Um, it's rough out there, and I think you want to find ways to save money any way you can. Now, I actually want to start today's episode by giving credit to the Cincinnati Bengals. The Bengals just beat Kansas City 27-24 during NFL Week 13, and it was an impressive win. I, I thought it was awesome. By the way, the Bengals have now beat Kansas City three times in a row. Three games in a row 
Cincinnati has taken down Patrick Mahomes and Kansas City. I haven't talked that much about the Bengals so far this year because they started the year two and three. I think mentally I kind of wrote them off. I was like, oh, okay, they're having a year. It's going to be Super Bowl hangover year. I mean, I had low expectations for the Bengals going in. I'm like, look, Joe Burrow could literally do nothing all year, and it's not going to matter. He took the Bengals to a Super Bowl. He passed all expectations. He's got a little bit of a grace period here. And so I think I I found it. I don't like saying this, but it's true. I found it really easy to kind of ignore the Bengals. And quietly, they've really stacked up a bunch of wins. They've won six of their last seven. They're eight and four right now. They are first in the AFC North. And I really think it's, I don't feel too bad about writing them off a little bit because of the Super Bowl hangover. Like the Rams, the other team that actually won the Super Bowl, they're three and nine. They've been down all year. I, I, my instinct was, though, oh, it's going to be kind of a quiet year for the Bengals. And it maybe has been. They haven't been on my radar. But again, 8-4, and four, won six of their last seven. They've beat two back-to-back playoff teams in a row. So they've, sorry, they've had two wins back-to-back over playoff teams. You know, Tennessee Titans, they're first in their division. Then they beat Kansas City, who's first in that division, the AFC West. So there was a moment, I have to acknowledge, you know, week eight, where I was really worried about the Bengals because their star receiver, Jamar Chase, did not play. He had a hip injury. And when Cincinnati lost to Cleveland, the red flags went up and it was like, oh, no. You know, started two and three. Now Jamar Chase is injured. What's going to happen to the Bengals season? Well, they found a way to win without him. He missed four games, didn't play at all in November. They went three and one without him. Now he's back and helped them beat Kansas City. In this game against Kansas City, both teams needed to play late, and it was Joe Burrow who delivered. Joe Burrow was the quarterback who made the play late in the game, not Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes had an opportunity. There was a late third and three, and Mahomes couldn't convert. Casey tried kicking a 55-yard field goal. They missed. That gave the Bengals the ball with 319 left, and they did not give the ball back. Now, the big play, the key moment in this football game. It came down to a third and 11. It was the first play after the two-minute warning. And Joe Burrow made a big-time throw in a big moment. Pressure in his face. He throws over the middle to D. Higgins. Gave the Bengals a first down. Allowed them to run up the clock and win the game. I think that's a massive, massive play there. Yeah, third and 11. And and by the way, on second and four, right before the two-minute warning, Joe Burrow took a sack and I was scratching my head like, Oh, no, what did you do? Like, you're going to give the ball back to... It's third and 11 now. You're going to give the ball back to Patrick Mahomes with two minutes left. And no, no, no. Joe Burrow said, I'm going to make a play here. Third and 11. He steps up. He makes a play. And the consequences of not making a play there, again, you give the ball back to Patrick Mahomes with like a minute 40 left. He's probably going to score. It's it's still it's still Patrick Mahomes. And I, I love it, man. It was an awesome game. I would say this probably was... The best game of the weekend, if I'm totally honest. Joe Burrow had three touchdowns. He threw two. He ran for one. And the Bengals beat Patrick Mahomes in Kansas City for the third time in a row. What a massive, massive win for the Bengals. Now, Philly. Philly just dominated Tennessee 35-10. to The big shock from this game to me is that neither team ran for over 100 yards. And I I really thought it's going to be a physical, intense style of game. You got Derrick Henry. You got the Eagles running game. Two good offensive lines. And no. Um, Philly didn't need to run the ball. 
and Tennessee actually couldn't run the ball. So Eagles quarterback Jalen Hurts is really, really making a strong case for the NFL MVP. His team is 11-1, and and this weekend, the reason why Philly didn't need to run the football was they were throwing it all over the yard. Jalen Hurts was 29 for 39 passing for 380 yards, three touchdown passes. He also ran for a touchdown, and Jalen Hurts had zero turnovers in this football game. Uh, This offseason, the Eagles traded for a star receiver, A.J. Brown. They got him from Tennessee. The Titans did not want to pay A.J. Brown. And against his former team, A.J. Brown had eight catches for 119 yards receiving and two touchdown catches. By the way, these were two really, really sweet touchdowns. The first one, he beat his man so badly the guy fell down, it left A.J. Brown wide open for a touchdown. Like, he literally walked backwards into the end zone. And then on the second touchdown, he made this really sweet catch against man coverage, like, just posterizing his guy. And you're like, wow, he's on one today. And it's really cool to see a guy... You see a lot of revenge games often kind of fall flat. You're like, ah, the guy played his old team and nothing really happened. Well, no, no. A.J. Brown went off. Eight catches, 119 yards, two touchdowns, two incredibly, really, like, impressive touchdowns. I love it. And the Eagles really did dominate on both sides of the football. This game was a statement game. It felt kind of like a warning sign. Tennessee is a good football team. And... This game put up some red flags for me, similar to when I watched Dallas absolutely dominate Minnesota. I went, oh, Minnesota has a weakness I hadn't considered yet, right? Kirk Cousins is not the same quarterback when he's uncomfortable in the pocket. And we saw for maybe the first time all year, a team really shut down and take away the Tennessee Titans running game. And without the ability to run the football, Oh, man, Tennessee's offense doesn't have much going on. Uh, I want to give a shout-out to Jordan Davis, a rookie defensive tackle for the Eagles. He made a massive, massive impact in this football game. Derrick Henry only ran the ball for 30 yards in this game. It was like two-yard run after two-yard run, just getting stuffed over and over again. And the Titans' leading rusher was actually their quarterback, Ryan Tannehill. He had a whole whopping 34 yards. And again, without a running game, Tennessee needed to win throwing the football, and they could not. And it made me go, oh, there's an Achilles heel to this football team. They, You know, I I thought when we saw Malik Willis take the Kansas City Chiefs to overtime, the backup quarterback for Tennessee really challenged Casey, take him to overtime, completing only five passes. I'm like, oh, like, hey, Tennessee, they run the ball really well, and they're so good, they don't even need to throw the football. Nah, they do. And I am at the point now where I'm like, look, I, I really respect Tennessee. They are such a good football team. they got a good defense. They've got usually a good running game. But we know now their offense is really one-dimensional. And I, I'm sorry, but a limiting factor is their passing game. And it's just, for me, it's a scratch. They're just not going to win a Super Bowl. I can't imagine Tennessee going head-to-head and beating all the teams they're going to need to do to win a Super Bowl. You're not going to beat... Joe Burrow, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, and then Philly. Clearly, I I just think Tennessee's outmatched in their pursuit of winning a Super Bowl. They don't throw the ball well enough, and it's it's a limiting factor for them. You know, Ryan Tannehill got sacked six times. He only threw the ball for 141 yards. And frankly, the Titans passing game could not keep up with Jalen Hurts, who went off. And I think another factor here is people do not understand 
just how good Philly is up front on both sides of the ball, by the way. On defense, they shut down Derrick Henry. They sacked Ryan Tannehill six times. And on, on then on the offensive side of the football, Jalen Hurts had all day to throw. I mean, the Eagles offensive line dominates kind of like watching Georgia in college football against, I don't know, Toledo or something. It's like when Jalen Hurts was at Alabama. He's untouchable. There's no one around him. The pocket's massive. It's insane. I really am surprised at how dominant Philadelphia is on both sides of the football up front. And I've always said linemen are massively underrated. Linemen win games. A great way to win a Super Bowl is to have a really dominant defensive front. Philly's dominant on both sides of the football. They might have. It's up for debate. I I am here for the debate. It's interesting. Philly might have the best offensive line in the NFL and the best defensive line in the NFL. I think a really fun conversation would be who's got a better front seven, Philly or Dallas. I would lean Dallas, but certainly Philly's in the conversation. And watching them do what they did to the Titans running game and Derrick Henry made me go, oh my goodness, wow. Wow. Now, uh, I enjoy clips of... Jason and Travis Kelsey's podcast, I believe it's called New Heights, which, no, I love I love it. I watch clips of it sometimes. Awesome show. They had Jalen Hurts on. It was cool to get to know Jalen Hurts. I haven't listened to the Patrick Holmes episode. I'm not as interested in that one, but Jalen Hurts was awesome. The name of the podcast, New Heights, I, I know of a church called New Heights, so, like, it's kind of a weak name in my opinion. Like, I don't know. I've heard I've heard other ones, you know, a lot, a lot of better stuff out there from former players who have kind of fun catch on words that relate to their playing days. I don't know. However, no shade, right? I love the show. And there is a good chance Philadelphia could play Kansas City in the Super Bowl this year. That would be really fun. It would be Andy Reid against his former team, the Eagles. And it would be brother versus brother. Jason Kelsey against Travis Kelsey. Jason Kelsey is the center for Philadelphia. Travis Kelsey is a star tight end for Kansas City. I think it'd be great for their podcast, and I would love to see like a an episode titled "We're Playing Each Other in the Super Bowl." Like, how amazing would that be? Like a you know the week leading up to the Super Bowl, these two brothers have to get together and do a podcast about the fact they have to play each other in like two weeks in a Super Bowl game. That would be so fun and so interesting. So I don't know if they're even going to do a show during the playoffs. Like a lot of people who do shows and stuff during. You know, the regular season, take a break from that during the playoffs. But maybe end of February, they do an episode. We played each other in the Super Bowl. Here's what happened. I love that thought. But I walked away similar to when I saw Minnesota get dominated by Dallas. I saw Philly dominate Tennessee and went, oh, there is a limiting factor with this Tennessee Titans football team. They're awesome. I respect them. I think they're a lot better than people give them credit for. But they're dominating a bad division, and when push comes to shove and Tennessee has to throw the football to win, I just don't think they can. And that's a massive problem when you got to play a lot of really good football teams in your conference. Joe Burrow, the Bengals, Buffalo, and Josh Allen, Kansas City, and Patrick Mahomes, and then the Super Bowl might be against Dallas or against Philly. And you're like, I, I don't see a reality here where... You know, what's going to happen if Tennessee has to play Miami in the playoffs and Jalen Waddell and Tyreek Hill are both healthy and you got to keep up with the Dolphins offense at their best? I don't think they can. And so we learned a lot from Tennessee, I think, this weekend. Uh, they may not be able to hang with the best of the best in the NFL.
Now, that last statement's going to, people are going to get hung up on that. They clearly did, right? They took Kansas City to overtime. But every game is different. And if there's a game in the playoffs where you can really limit this rushing game for Tennessee, I don't have the belief that Ryan Tannehill can put the team on his back and win when he needs to. We saw they weren't able to do it on Sunday. And I worry that's just a really big limiting factor that's going to follow them the rest of the year. At some point, it's going to catch up to you. And I, I just, for me, I don't see Tennessee winning a Super Bowl. But hey, I'll change my mind. I, I once said Dallas wouldn't, so let's talk about Dallas. On Sunday night football, the Dallas Cowboys beat the Indianapolis Colts 54-19. to I expected a blowout, but it took a while for that to happen. Uh, it was actually only a two-point game going into the fourth quarter. Dallas led 21-19, to and then bang, the Dallas Cowboys exploded. They scored 33 unanswered points in the fourth quarter of this football game. Here is the fourth quarter sequentially for the Colts offense. They had a fumble that Dallas was returned for a touchdown. Then they threw back-to-back interceptions, and then they had another fumble. It was a total collapse of the Indianapolis Colts offense. And in fact, what we saw was the second highest scoring fourth quarter in NFL history. Now on the day, Indy had five turnovers. Matt Ryan, their quarterback, had four of them by himself. Three interceptions and a fumble. I I said recently, and I felt really um, like I was proven right watching this football game, there just isn't room for Matt Ryan in the NFL anymore. It's He's older. He can't move very well. I don't think he's as washed up as people make it out to be, but he needs a lot of help to win. Similar to when we saw Peyton Manning finish his career in Denver. And there just isn't, when you look around the league, there isn't a team available that could take Matt Ryan. And we don't even know if Aaron Rodgers is going to have a spot next year, let alone Matt Ryan. And so it's sad because Matt Ryan isn't an atrociously bad quarterback, but he he can't win without a lot of help at the receiver uh, position and a lot of help on the offensive line in a good running game. There's just not a lot of teams out there that can do all of that and need a quarterback. And so it's sad, but Matt Ryan is on his way out of the NFL. And this game was just a kind of, it felt like a confirmation of that. You know, the Colts are four, eight, and one. It's been an ugly year. And at this point, Jeff Saturday is just kind of babysitting the Colts until the year is over. And then they got to figure out what's next for their franchise. Now, Dallas is nine and three after this football game. Dallas has one of the best records in the NFL, and it's very interesting because if they weren't in the same division as Philadelphia, they would look amazing. But Philly, unfortunately for Dallas, is 11-1, best record in the NFL, and currently in the same division as them. So I don't know what's going to happen here. Dallas is going to be a playoff team. It's it's kind of weird. They could have, like, <laughs> I, I don't see them slowing down anytime soon, but I also don't see Philly slowing down anytime soon. These two teams appear to be on a collision course, but... It is unfortunate that even with a great record, it looks like Dallas is not going to win their division. That could change, though. I, I, I'm, we'll see. Maybe a couple of people get hurt in Philly. Maybe something happens in Dallas. I don't know. What is really crazy is I got to say a couple things about Dallas. First of all, Michael Gallup just playing outstanding. And that's a guy coming off of a torn ACL who just makes catch after catch. Yeah, I love watching Michael Gallup high point the football. He's one of my favorite receivers to watch in the NFL this year. He's just not getting enough recognition. Maybe he is. I don't really live in Texas, but feels like nationally, no one's talking about what Michael Gallup does. He is just a 
like the catch radius for this man is massive. You put the ball anywhere near him, he'll just go up and get it. And it's, I have seen a lot of unimpressive stuff from like DeAndre Hopkins this year, or, you know, Devontae Adams has been pretty good, but like, ah, but the guy that doesn't get the recognition I think he deserves is Michael Gallup, who's doing stuff we used to see DeAndre Hopkins do, where it's just like, you put it near him, he's going to go up and get it. And I love, he had a touchdown on Sunday. He's fun to watch. I remember watching him go up and get that football. And I was like, man, you love to see it. Uh, on top of that, um, you know, the Cowboys are really, um, it's surprising they're nine and three given that there was a moment where the season appeared to be over. Dak Prescott got hurt early in the year, and the backup quarterback, Cooper Rush, came in. He did really well. He kept their season alive. But I remember being like, I, I think the season is over for the Dallas Cowboys. And now here they are, 9-3, and three, in a prime position to, I think, compete for a Super Bowl. Their front seven is outstanding. That's They're led by their front seven. And, you know, next time... Philly plays Dallas. They're going to have Dak Prescott healthy, we hope. A couple games away. But week 16, Philly plays at Dallas. And, you know, hey, if Dallas can beat Philly week 16, if Philly can get one more loss, then they're going to be tied on the same record. There is a chance here that Dallas still could win the division. But I I walked away. um, You know, I've been impressed for a while. And I had such a negative opinion of the Cowboys a couple weeks ago. They just really have changed my mind, and it's it's because they're playing really well, and their front seven is terrifying. More on the Cowboys in a moment, but first let's talk about let's talk about the 49ers Dolphins game. The biggest news from this football game is that 49ers quarterback Jimmy Garoppolo broke his foot. He's out for the year. When I heard that Jimmy G broke his foot, and Brock Purdy, a rookie quarterback out of Iowa State, a seventh round pick. By the way, the last pick in the entire NFL draft. When I heard that Brock Purdy played most of the game, I just assumed Miami must have won this game by a lot. Then I watched what happened. And I watched the game. Miami lost to a rookie quarterback, Brock Purdy, a rookie seventh-round pick. The 49ers beat Miami 33-17. to And it was actually a really impressive win by the 49ers. Kind of sad, you know, this game meant a lot to a lot of people. Mike McDaniel is the former offensive coordinator in the 49ers building. Now he's the head coach of Miami. He's playing his former team, and his former team got him. Now, the game actually started heavily, heavily in favor of Miami. The Dolphins' first play was a 75-yard touchdown. So they you know, had a one-play drive, 75 yards. They're up 7 nothing immediately right at the beginning of the game. Then, on the 49ers' first drive, their starting quarterback, Jimmy Garoppolo, breaks his foot out for the game and out for the year. So you're like, man, it's all Miami right now. Yeah, they got a field goal on that drive, but then Brock Purdy came in. Again, one more time. Rookie, seventh-round pick out of Iowa State. Last pick of the entire draft, and Brock Purdy looked really dang good. 25 for 37 passing, 210 yards, two touchdowns, one interception. The interception was a kind of a back shoulder fade down the sideline on a fourth and four. It actually worked kind of like a punt. It was ultimately inconsequential. Didn't lead to points for Miami. Didn't really cost his team that much. He threw a ball up on fourth down. It got picked off. Like, you can live with that. I, you know, throwing a jump ball to Brandon Ayuk on man coverage. I'm okay with that interception. Brock Purdy honestly played... 
really, really well. He beat the blitz a couple times throwing the football. He, you, when they bring more people than you can block, you got to hang comfortable in the pocket and find a window downfield. That means you got good matchups outside. He did that. He did stuff that you see veteran quarterbacks do. And I was also really impressed with how comfortable Brock Purdy was running the offense. Remember, the year started with Trey Lance as the quarterback in San Francisco. Then Jimmy Garoppolo. Now the 49ers are on their third quarterback of the year, Brock Purdy. And it's so much more than just throwing the football for him as a quarterback. It's managing the motion, sending people across the formation. It's handoffs, which means not only do you have to know where the ball is going, got to go in the right direction. You got to check a lot of stuff, the line of scrimmage. You got to catch snaps and get snaps under center. I mean, it's the little things that Brock Purdy did really well on top of throwing the ball well and managing the game at a high level. Um, I, you know, Brock Purdy was ready when he got his moment. When his name was called, he was prepared for that moment. And you love to see it. I love seeing a guy like him kind of come out of nowhere, seventh round pick, and not only do well, but win and beat a really good Dolphins team. So um, I just, that's maybe my favorite story of the weekend was watching Brock Purdy come out of nowhere and play really, really well as the 49ers quarterback. Now, Dolphins quarterback to its of Aloha, did not have his best game on Sunday. He was 18 for 33 passing, 295 yards, two touchdowns, three turnovers. Uh, you know, that's two, two interceptions and a fumble. And, you know, you can explain why Tua struggled a little bit. One of the Dolphins, two stud receivers, they got Jalen Waddle and Tyree Kill. Jalen Waddle was banged up, not at 100%. So Tyree Kill, their star receiver, had nine catches for 146 yards and a touchdown, but their other guy, Jalen Waddle, only had one catch for nine yards on five targets. So, you know, you're you're not at full strength in your receiving core, which when healthy, no one so far this year has been able to stop truly Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle. And the Dolphins were missing both of their offensive tackles, Austin Jackson and Teron Armstead. That really hurts you throwing the football, but you also get it out of your hands pretty quick. I mean, there's moments where you can overcome that. So, you know, it's. I did a topic last episode suggesting that Tua should take less money and said, like, he needs help to win. Well, they played a great defense without their two tackles, and one of their star receivers wasn't at 100%. And what happened? Uh, Sunday exactly proved my point. Without help, Miami lost 33-17. to Tua had three turnovers. It wasn't great. And he wasn't awful. But Tua needs help. And I think the self-aware thing for Tua to do would be like to realize, why am I winning? Why am I doing so well? I got great teammates. I got a great coaching staff. I got good players around me. Do I want a long, successful career or, or do I want a big payday, which helps in the short term? Do you want to be Kyler Murray and Russell Wilson? Or do you want to do what Tom Brady did for years in New England, which is take less money, have great teams around you, and dominate in that same division, the AFC East. I am still very much rooting for Tua to take a book out of, take a page out of the playbook of Tom Brady, take a little less money, and dominate for years with lots of great players around to help you. By the way, I want to look something up. I, I remember... I remember vehemently the Michael Gallup touchdown catch. It was awesome in the right corner of the end zone. But I'm trying to remember how many catches did he actually have? I, I said he had one touchdown. I'm like, did he have two? I don't I don't think he did. Michael Gallup. Michael Gallup had four catches for 23 yards and two 
touchdowns on Sunday. Oh my goodness. We got to talk about Michael Gallup, dude. It's, it's not just like, it's, it's what, it's the way he plays. He goes up and gets the football. I just, as a quarterback, when you have a guy who's that much of a jump ball threat, who on crossing routes, on fades, it's not, it's everything. He just goes and gets the football. And that's such a great thing to do for young receivers to watch what he does and copy him. He doesn't sit and wait for the football. He goes and gets the football. And on stop routes, on crossing routes, Dak can miss high. It doesn't matter. And I, I really, really just a uh, lot of respect for Michael Gallup. I feel like that's not getting talked about, and we should. Now, I want to update a list I made earlier this year, about two weeks ago. I, I did an episode, episode 521. I said there were seven teams that could win the Super Bowl. I said there were six and then maybe a seventh. Uh, I said Buffalo, Kansas City, Miami, Tennessee, Philly, Minnesota. And then I said maybe because I'm a Tom Brady fanboy, uh, I'm not ready to count out Tampa Bay. Tampa, they're out. They got no shot. The comeback season isn't working well for Tom Brady. Uh, And as I look around the NFL, there are so many great teams, but there are six teams that I see today, after week 13, as Super Bowl contenders. You got Kansas City, Buffalo, Cincinnati, Miami, Philly, and Dallas. We'll go through all of them. Three teams are not on this list that I think are going to be controversial, but people will want on the list of teams that could win a Super Bowl. I believe the Minnesota Vikings are pretenders. They are going to have a really awesome regular season. It's going to be fun. They're going to win their division. Vikings fans have a lot to be happy about and to look forward to. However, one thing that really, really scares me in the playoffs with Minnesota is their Achilles heel. When you get a lot of pressure on Vikings quarterback Kirk Cousins, when you make him uncomfortable in the pocket, he's a different quarterback. And when you are in the NFC about to match up against maybe the 49ers or Dallas in the NFC title game, that's where it's going to catch up to you. And I don't think Kirk Cousins is going to handle that pass rush very well. We saw earlier this year, Dallas beat Minnesota 40-3. to Wasn't a accident, wasn't a coincidence. It was, oh, when you get pressure on Kirk, when a front seven gets a lot of hits on the quarterback, he's not the same quarterback. Tennessee, why is Tennessee not on this list? A little bit ago... Episode 521, Zach, you said Tennessee was one of the seven teams that could win a Super Bowl. I've now scratched them off the list. This, what we saw week 13 was the red flag moment where I went, oh, when they need to throw the football, when the running game is shut down, they don't throw the ball well enough to win only throwing the football. And to beat Joe Burrow, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, I don't know that they got the horses to do it. I think on the right day, you could beat one of them. But you got to be, it's got a whole, the AFC is so competitive. I, I don't see a Tennessee Titans team right now that can have consecutive wins back-to-back in the playoff against really good quarterbacks and teams that throw the ball really well. I don't see a Titans offense that can keep up with that. And that makes me unhappy because I've been championing Tennessee all year. Their defense is awesome. They run the ball well. They're coached really well. I think they're close, but... Right now, their passing game is holding them back, and that's why they're not a Super Bowl contender to me. The The next team that's not on the list that people are going to start asking questions about 
is the 49ers. I think the 49ers have a Super Bowl roster. But I hesitate to include them because, you know, they're on their third quarterback of the year. Brock Purdy is a rookie seventh-round pick. I, I don't feel comfortable saying he can win a Super Bowl with the 49ers. I, I think they're going to make noise. I really think that even with Brock Purdy, I think the 49ers could knock out Minnesota in the playoffs, for example. I think Minnesota and, and the 49ers did not match up great against each other. Um where it's a matchup that favors the 49ers at the minimum. But um, the three teams that are not on the list, Minnesota, Tennessee, and the 49ers, that is why. Now, here again, let's talk about the six that I think could win a Super Bowl. KC, Buffalo, and Cincinnati, they're all kind of self-explanatory. They're all pretty easy. They're loaded rosters with... These are probably the three best quarterbacks in the entire NFL. I think the top two are Patrick Mahomes and then Josh Allen. Then number three... Probably is Joe Burrow. Like Joe Burrow can hang throw for throw with anyone. And these three football teams, Cincinnati, Buffalo, and Kansas City, have good offensive lines. They've got a ton of offensive weapons. They've got defenses who can make plays and quarterbacks who, when it matters most, these are the three guys you want. And it's going to be, I think the AFC playoffs are going to be unbelievable with, you know, Casey, Buffalo, Cincinnati. Miami's in the mix. Tennessee is going to be there and make some noise. It's going to be so much fun. I cannot wait for it. Now, Miami is here as a Super Bowl contender because still, in my opinion, nobody has shown the ability to stop Jalen Waddell and Tyreek Hill. You know, the 49ers game was a game where the Dolphins were missing both of their offensive tackles, Austin Jackson and Teron Armstead, and Jalen Waddell was limping around, wasn't fully healthy, when this offense in Miami is at 100%, nobody has stopped them all year. And I just will I'll go to bat on that. Um, Philly is a Super Bowl contender easily. They are, in my opinion, the most complete football team in the NFL. Their offensive line is incredible. Their defensive line is incredible. They've got a potential MVP quarterback, Jalen Hurts. Stud receivers everywhere. Um, Philly's a contender. And then in that same division, you got Dallas, who... Of the six teams I mentioned, Dallas is the one I'm most hesitant about because I just, I don't know about their coach, Mike McCarthy. I've seen Dak Prescott wilt when it matters most, but let's acknowledge that the run defense for Dallas, this their front seven is terrifying. Um, the front seven stopping the running game, getting after quarterbacks in the passing game, Dallas's front seven can ruin a game plan for an opposing offense and take over a football game. And despite my criticisms of Dak at times, the best of Dak Prescott is really, really good. And we've seen it at times even this year. So when you talk about they run the ball well, they've got an awesome quarterback, they've got a lot of receiver talent, their front seven is terrifying on defense. I worry about the Cowboys head coach Mike McCarthy being a limiting factor. But... I even said a couple weeks ago, does that look, I'm not wishy-washy. I just, I'm telling you, I've changed my mind a little, a couple weeks ago. I remember saying with, you know, um, Dak, Mike McCarthy and Jerry Jones, this Dallas Cowboys team can't win a Super Bowl. Unfortunately, I, I've been forced to change my mind. I don't, I'm hesitant about it. I think they're inconsistent because of their coaching staff. I think that's definitely the weakest point of this football team is their coaching staff. But what I see physically is a really dominating front seven from Dallas, and that makes me uh, feel like they can 
properly challenge anyone in the NFL. So my six teams I think can win a Super Bowl. Kansas City, Buffalo, Cincinnati. Miami's in there too with their awesome offense. And then in the NFC, you have Philly and Dallas. And week 16, Philly plays at Dallas. Oh my goodness. I cannot wait. That's going to be beautiful and really, really fun. Final topic of the day. A massive story in the NFL this weekend was Deshaun Watson making his season debut, playing for the first time all year, and doing it against his former team on the road at Houston. And as I predicted, Deshaun Watson's first game back was underwhelming is a generous term. He was 12 for 22 passing, had 131 yards, no touchdowns, had an interception, a bad one in the end zone. Deshaun Watson didn't look great. And I think you can find some understanding. Like, it's his first time playing all year. He's in a new offense, by the way, as well. But also, Deshaun Watson is the highest paid quarterback in the NFL. So I think in a couple weeks, if he's still struggling, there's going to be a lot of criticism. But they won. And I, I know that Browns fans are like, I don't trust anything my organization does. They are looking at this team with a side eye. But we'll just see. I, you know, in a couple of weeks, we'll, we'll see. How is Deshaun Watson progressing? Is he getting better? Is he playing well? Is he playing up to his contract? That contract is absurd. I don't know. Now, a massive, massive disappointment in this football game was the crowd. I had a friend at the game in Houston. There were some boos, sure, but there was no crazy chanting. Um, and my friend actually suggested, he said, it's maybe because Texans fans are dead inside. Like, their season is so bad, they're, they don't even care anymore. They're just like, ugh. But I, I was really disappointed with the lack of energy in the stadium. I will admit, um, Browns running back Nick Chubb did not have as good a day rushing as I expected. You know, the Browns ran for 174 yards. That's pretty good. You know, Kareem Hunt, 9 carries, 56 yards. Nick Chubb, 17 carries, 80 yards, no touchdown runs. I, I honestly thought we were going to see a day where the Browns, as a team, were going to run for like 250 yards and three or four touchdowns, something like that. But we didn't see that. And in fact, actually, the Browns offense did not score a touchdown all game long. The scoring in this game was very, very weird. The Browns had two field goals. On defense, they had a pick six. They had a punt return touchdown and a fumble recovery touchdown. So the Browns had two touchdowns on defense and a special teams touchdown, plus two field goals. That equals 17 points right there. Houston is weird, too. Here's how Houston got to 14 points. You know, the Browns beat Houston 27 to 14. Houston had a field goal, then a safety. So Houston led five to nothing like a baseball game. Is it the Houston Astros or the Houston Texans? I'm not really sure. Then they got another field goal to make it 8 nothing. Still kind of a baseball score, if I'm honest. Then a touchdown. They, you know, they scored 14 points. Um, then it failed two-point conversion, so Houston stayed at 14 points. Weird, man. To go from 3 to 5 to 8 to 14 that way. I've never seen... I, when I saw the score, 27-14, I'm like, oh, okay. Two Houston touchdowns, and I moved on with my life. Then I watched the game, and I'm like, that's not what happened at all. What a weird way to end up at 14 points I just kind of were talking about. Now, um, I felt kind of bad for Houston quarterback Kyle Allen. He had three, three turnovers, a fumble, two interceptions. Both of his interceptions were unlucky. 
Like the first one was in the receiver's hands. It popped out. He like flipped the receiver, caught the ball, rolled, ball popped up, untouched. So that's a fumble and got picked off. Um, it's, you know, the second interception was tipped up in the air. It's just kind of funny because everyone said Davis Mills was horrible and horrible. And it's clear to me that no matter who plays quarterback in Houston, they're being set up to fail. Kyle Allen struggled at three turnovers, two interceptions that weren't even his fault. Just unlucky. Um, Houston is 110-1. They're on track for the number one overall pick. They're happy about that. And I really am excited to do a film analysis of Davis Mills after the year is over to break down. My, my impression of what I've seen so far this year is that Davis Mills is a decent quarterback who played in a horrific, horrific situation. But I'm excited to dive into the film like in March and kind of see when my am, am I right about that or am I totally way off point? But we're not we're not gonna get to it now. We got too much other stuff to do. But um yeah, the Deshaun Watson revenge game was kind of just a, a weird, ugly win. And I expected that, but what I didn't expect was for the crowd to be so dead and the energy revolving around the game to be so uninteresting. And that that's what made me sad, is that the other stuff I was excited for was the crowd, the chanting, the this and that. It was not even really a lot of fanfare. And I'm like, ah, oh, that right there is what disappoints me. So um, I would call Deshaun Watson's return disappointing, but not even for the reasons that maybe people would think uh, were disappointing. All right, guys, um, that's all for today. I'm going to go edit this, put it out. Watch Monday Night Football. Watch the Jets-Vikings game. I'll get back to you hopefully tomorrow, but we'll see. We got a lot to break down. I saw Deion Sanders. I, I was like halfway through writing a topic about Deion Sanders, and I'm like, I'm just going to wait till tomorrow, and let's put this out. But what's happening with Deion Sanders in Colorado? Oh, my goodness. It's so much fun. Uh, I'm excited to talk about college football. I'm excited to talk about all the quarterback movement in college football. A lot of good stuff is happening. We'll talk about it on the next episode of Strong Opinion Sports. Uh, for now, that's all I have, but um, bum, bam, we are.